Ah, look, I was um, keen to keen to hear your story more from the small business side of things. I think we've had yep. a lot of the, the giants on the podcast, but we haven't had that many small businesses come through and, and yep. tell their story. And, yep. and just talking on the phone and a couple of things that you said to me really like triggered me to think, shit, we, we should really like hear that side of the story and, 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 the, and the hardship and the grind that goes into actually starting yep. a small business. So yeah, yeah. Maybe just to start off with, do you want to just talk through like who you are, uh, where you work today, and maybe just how you first got into the equipment rental industry? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name's Todd Kane um, from ProLift Trucks, uh, a business uh, me and my partner started, or business partner started about 12 months ago. Um, yeah, we basically kind of thought we could, you know, time to move on from where we worked before. and. Um, Thought we could yeah, add some add some value to the industry. Um, where I started in the high game it was probably more when I started at JLG. I suppose I don't know like when I worked at Crown, um, they had a, a really big hire fleet. Um, but it was more when I went like into JLG, working at Coates and mm. um, places like that, Canards, um, where you actually see you know short term, I suppose rental. At its yeah, at its best. So, um, yeah, that's that's about it. So, so then maybe let's just go down the rabbit hole of Crown a little bit. So, yep. how did you sort of get that intro to Crown initially? Uh, well, I done my time at Crown as a forklift mechanic. Okay, but how did you get into Crown for your first job then, like uh, as a mechanic? Was that did you? How did you get introduced to Crown originally then? I basically just applied for a job yeah I knew I wanted to be a mechanic yeah um not necessarily a forklift technician um I was really interested in trucks so I wanted to become a, yeah, a diesel mechanic um but being 15 at the time and trying to look for an apprenticeship where someone would take me on um was very difficult so I suppose they wanted someone that was more finish year 12 17 had their license things like that so mm. that was a bit of a struggle when i was yeah 14 15 looking for a job um but yeah crown put me on uh, in their refurbishment section um and then they closed that down and so that's when i kind of got into the rental side at crown um yeah when i was a second year apprentice so yeah cause that's probably like one of the biggest challenges in, in the market now trying to find mechanics and technicians absolutely and yeah. so I think most people, when they when they think that they want to be, become a mechanic or a diesel mechanic, they don't even realise that there's a whole opportunity in that rental space. Yeah, um, absolutely. So when you first got in there, like, were you aware that that was even a market? No, not at all. Not at all. Like I said, I didn't even really, I suppose, grasp the concept of rentals until I went to JLG working at Coates and Canards yeah. and stuff like that. When you were at Crown, it was kind of just like, oh, yeah, it's just... Yeah. Long term, long term, long term rentals mainly, you know. Yeah. Um, where like they're dealing with big customers, they rent them for five, three to five years, kind of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, when I, like I said, when I started JLG, that was when I really kind of got introduced to the rental game, yeah, and how it actually worked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so what happened from JLG then? Um, I kind of just moved on from JLG. It was a little bit too slow paced, I suppose. Um, and yeah, so I eventually went and worked on trucks, uh, and then I went back to Crown, and then went to another hire company called Want Access. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and that was another big eye opener with the rental game yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're dealing with more boom lifts and scissor lifts. Yeah, and sort of scissors stuff. booms. Yeah, and very fast paced. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 
So, so, so what's the main difference between working at like, say, um, let's use Crown as that long-term lease yep. and then as uh, a JLG, which is a bit more slow-paced yep. and then want access, like the different types of being a mechanic at each side. Maybe just describe the, what do you say fast-paced and slow-paced? Like, what does that mean? Um, with want, it was very customer-focused. We need to get these machines out as soon as possible. Um, and doing the job properly at the same time, right? So at JLG, it was a little bit different uh, because I was field service. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was more like breakdowns and... Yeah, these are your jobs for today, go out. Yeah, kind of them. thing. Here's your services. The machines are already on site, so the customers are know, you know, kind of happy at the same time. But when they're trying to rent the machine and get it out of the workshop where I was at want, um, yeah, it was very, very different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so how did you adapt to that fast pace? Was that something that you were ready for? I was, kind of, I was used to it at Crown anyway. Um, okay. So when I was out in the field, um, we had a, a, a global contract with a customer in, and they were renting machines off them. Um, so it was two hour response time. If the machine can't be fixed that day, they got to take it back to the workshop and drop another machine off. So this podcast episode was sponsored by the fleet office. Get away from paper documents and spreadsheets and become more compliant by using a cloud-based fleet management software. Save money by streamlining your hire business and understanding your fleet and utilization better. Create quotes, invoices, allocate equipment and operators to jobs and easily compare your projected income with your current invoices, making you more profitable. Pre-starts, risk assessments, maintenance, timesheets, dockets, and asset efficiency, all managed on one easy-to-use platform. Learn more at thefleetoffice.com.au. There's a lot of pressure. I had kind of had like a team under working with me um, to make sure we could service a customer. And like with all that, you know, if you can't get the machine up and running, the transport costs to get it back to the workshop, get another machine out. You mm. just didn't want it to happen. So yeah. I was very much, I like being busy and yeah, fast paced, especially yeah, when they that big rental contract with Crown. Yeah, that were really, yeah, yeah. So then, so obviously you got the, the itch for the entrepreneurial side as well. Yeah. So, so talk me through how did, how did that sort of like come about? Um, I think it was in, in me from a, early age um, I think it was probably in my early 20s I kind of thought about going out on my own and um, although looking back now I probably wasn't mature enough um, yeah I, I think I come from a family um, where everyone kind of works for themselves and you know you just do everything yourself kind of thing so yeah that's that's where it came from, and just, then and just, then so when you when you thought that you wanted to start a business when you were younger, was that you wanted to run your own service related business? Yeah, absolutely. Run a team. Run, yeah. run a. Did you ever think about selling machines? Like, what what was the? Um, I didn't really think about much back then. <laughs> I just kind of knew what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, yeah. Me old man talked me out of it, um, but I did go and subcontract for a, a truck company, and um, how, did, what, how did he talk you out of it? Like, what was the process there? <sighs> It was more, it was more, you kind of not ready, I know, you know, like probably not mature enough yeah. and that kind of stuff. We'll work for a business for a while, understand. Yeah, yeah, more. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So at that time I was yeah, still at Crown um, and I 
once he kind of put that in my head, it was, yeah, I better get some more experience and I'll become a field service manager at Crown. So I got to know the the other side of the service business and the rental business, you know. Mm. So, yeah. But eventually it did happen. It did. So, so how did that sort of pan out? It's panned out pretty well so far. Have <laughs> <laughs> you mature enough to understand how to run a business, I assume, now? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. We're still, we're, still, we're still learning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you, look, you learn every day. So, like, it's been pretty much 12 months. Uh, I look back now from 12 months ago, I'm a lot more educated and mature. You never know everything. Yeah. You know, you're all, you're con- if you're not learning, you, you know, you kind of got to step out of the comfort zone, I think. Yeah. So look, I want to dive into a specific thing around how you started the business. Yep. Uh, and those first early days. So, so starting a business is never easy. Like there's, there's a ton of challenges which we can talk through. Yep. But the, the moment that you decided that you wanted to start it in the business and, and give it a full crack, like what, what was that moment? <laughs> um, it was, uh, how, do I, how do I put it? It was nerve-wracking. Uh, when I was still working for someone, we were, uh, me and my business partner, we were working out of his house, uh, refurbishing machines and trying to put them on the market for sale to gain the cash flow to eventually quit our jobs and go out um, on our own. So <clears throat> when I made the decision to actually do that, um, we didn't really have anything. We had about you know $12,000 in the bank um, between two of us. Um, yeah, it was very nerve-wracking. We didn't have any customers. We, you know, we had one or two service-related cu- customers. That was about it. So we, I left my job first, and basically I was on my feet, just door knocking every single door in Smeaton Grange, Campbelltown, anything that was near my house. Um, yeah they probably got a visit from me, see if I can service their forklifts. Um, And mate, within a week of door knocking, I just had too much work. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So so what was... Plus this was, yeah, you know, kind of that time in between the lockdowns of Mm. COVID. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, so starting a business at a tough period of time, you got $12,000 in the bank. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a lot of money, but when you've got a, you know, you've, you've got a, You've got to buy parts. You've got to buy. No, it doesn't sound like a lot of money. It sounds like yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you could burn twelve thousand dollars very, very easily. Abs- absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, and lucky enough, um, we did sell a few machines before the end of financial year uh, last year. So that kind of topped us up. And then I think it was early July, COVID lockdown come, and yeah, that was kind of. Was. Wow. So, so let's let's walk through a scenario. Let's say that I was one of the businesses in Campbelltown. Yep. I've got a few forklifts that I, I that I am assuming I own or maybe I rent. Yep. You walk in. What did you say? Um, just basically introduce myself. Yeah, uh, mate. I've just started my own forklift company. Uh, we, you know, we specialise in crown forklifts. Although we service uh, basically any forklift. Um, you know, who are you using? Can we service you better? Kind of thing. Um, and look, it's it's hard to tell someone that you can do a good job. I mean, words are just words, sure. right, at the end of the day. Until you actually can prove yourself, um, it kind of means nothing. Mm. And I'm just grateful and you know thankful that 
a lot of people gave us a go. Yeah. Um, people were thinking, you know, you're crazy going out on your own in the middle of COVID or kind of, you know. But looking back, it was probably the best time to do it. No one could get any labour. People there looking for forklift technicians, um, just like we're looking now to put on people. Um, it's very difficult at the moment, so... Mm. So, yeah. so that first customer that said yes, what was that experience like? Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, like it was a bit of a, like it was relief, I suppose. On not that it's easy to do, but if you just how many doors have you knocked? Do you reckon leading up to that first deal? Oh, only three or four. Oh wow so we're talking like so you, all right so you, within minutes um, wow yeah well say within an hour yeah and, and, and so had. and so then he gave you that shot and said all right I'll, yeah. I'll let you service my forklifts is that is that basically the discussion that he, yeah I'll, yeah I'll he said shot. yeah mate come in have a look at my forklift um how much to service it can you do this can you do that yeah absolutely okay so one forklift at, at one side yes and yep. you're and you're managing the recurring service in any breakdowns yep, yep absolutely yep so put them on we got a system we can put them on a schedule um like if they wanted to rent a forklift they can always contact us we cross hire from other companies we have you know we've got other forklifts in our workshop we can rent out um we can basically pretty much do most stuff any other forklift company can yeah do. and so did you have your systems in place before that pretty or? much yeah yeah absolutely yeah i'm very organized in that kind of stuff so everything was basically set up um yeah, yeah, you're just waiting for that for custom first customer Pretty to much. come through yeah. the door. Yeah, I mean we we'd done a couple of jobs just for people, sure. like people we knew or whatever. Yeah. Um, but this was the first kind of day, yeah, where it was serious. And um, yeah, like honestly, on that afternoon, I think we probably signed up maybe four to six customers wow. and and booked them in for the following week for service. And that was probably within two to four hours so so you're telling me that that first week you went out and you door knocked on a bunch of people's yeah well that well that was a thursday afternoon so um i'd basically finish work for someone on the wednesday thursday morning i was just setting myself up to go out and door knock thursday afternoon and then you got your first deal on that on that thursday yeah yeah, that's absolutely. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Man, you should be training some of these sales reps. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's um, I'm not a salesman. I'm a service technician. But yeah, like it, yeah. I think if you're just genuine and um, you got to know what you're talking about as well, right? Yeah, you, you need to. You need forklifts is basically all I know. Um, so yeah, you kind of. I I actually had someone in the US on the podcast talking about this, saying that service techs and servicemen in the in the forklift space any space in service yeah can be the best salesperson because they can tell you like the technical aspects of of the machine Absolutely. what it can and can't do and typically they're going to be very upfront they're going yep. to tell you right Absolutely. or wrong what it is rather than sort of trying to pitch your way through it absolutely and i yep. think that builds that level of trust yeah very very quickly so yeah Abs- absolutely <laughs> you've probably got a few things that you can teach people around getting deals pretty fast that's, yeah that's, that must have been like a crazy feeling knowing that one day out of your of your, of your full time job yeah. it was surreal wow absolutely yeah okay so you get these four customers you booked in servicing for the following week just to yep. sort of prove out what you can do and then you put them on a schedule yep and then it was just a, and then you had a business partner so then how did he forward into yeah so he ryan his name is um he he was still employed um 
with the company. You know, like we both got children, mortgages. I said, mate, I'll we'll go, I'll go first. You know, you come when we're ready, right? When we got a bit more cash, you can you, you know you can come out and um, basically, you know, work got through a couple of weeks of work, maybe three four weeks. Um, I went down to Wollongong to doorknock and basically got a big another like a big customer mm-hmm. and I said mate you're gonna have to quit your job like if we get this bloke you you know you're gonna have to quit your job so met with him on again on the Saturday morning and shook our hand and said yep you got all my work um, and that was it he quit his job on the Monday Wow yeah yeah. And so at that point, how many forklifts did you have signed up to a service contract, do you think, in that three-week span? Uh, honestly, probably between 20 and 40 from memory. Yeah, I'd probably done yeah, probably done about 20 to 40 jobs, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once this, you know, still our biggest customer to date signed over, uh, yeah, it was time for Ryan to come come out and... Wow. And so he just continued the door knocking. How, many, how big was that customer? How many was that doubling your size? Or what was oh, absolutely, yeah. They, I think they've got about between thirty-five to fifty bits of machinery. So not just forklifts; they got tele handlers. Um, they got little pallet jacks, walkie stackers. Sure. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then and then like. The skills that you got to service all these different types of machines, is that just through pure experience or is it like you, you go out and learn on the job as well? Like how does it sort of work? Experience is the biggest thing. Yeah, absolutely. Hands on. Um, I mean, working at JLG and working at a truck, like, you know, at a truck workshop, there's very like, very, you, yeah. you basically get experience from every bit of gear you could kind of think of. So the plant side, forklift side, road registered stuff. Mm. Um, I've been around cars my whole life, um, you know. So yeah, it's mainly just experience, but you're constantly learning on the job as well. Mm. And I think changing those jobs is important. I remember I was chatting to someone that uh, was working at CAT and they were yeah. doing their apprenticeship and they're only working on CAT gear constantly. And so you're sort of putting yourself in a box a little bit. Absolutely. When, and so getting that wider experience has, has obviously worked in your favor yeah. when, when you go out and someone says, hey, can you service my scissor lift? You, well, I've done it before, sure, yeah, I can do that. Absolutely. I can get the parts for it, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah. And that, it, that's amazing. Yeah, a lot of our customers, you know, they ring us just for mechanical advice, whether it be a car, truck, excavator, you know, um, you, know you want to come have a look at it, sure, no worries. Yeah, so it's not just the forklifts we're servicing, um, even though that's what we focus on. Yeah, we do basically everything. And then, so these people had already had a forklift sold to them, uh, or telehandlers sold to them, or whoever it is. Yep. And they just weren't getting the service that they wanted from their supplier. Is that typically? absolutely? Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of people, I think, they're not aware of smaller companies they just assume the manufacturer is the only place that they can go you know for service or for sales or hire or anything like that so when you when you're up front or face to face with someone um, and you're saying mate this is what we do we can do it like this um, it kind of opens their eyes and they just want to give you a go yeah mm. yeah because with manufacturers sometimes they're, they're 
they're not getting that service. Yeah, and their overheads are much higher as well. Yeah, um, their response times, they're a lot more com- like process that they have to follow. Absolutely, where you can you can literally be super agile. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And do things as needed, yeah. and then sort of scale up from there. Absolutely, and that's how we can do it just as well as anyone else. Yeah. And then, so I'm assuming your plan was then to get all these service customers and then slowly start selling them forklifts as well and renting them forklifts. Absolutely. So most of our refurbished machines, they go through the refurbishment process in our workshop and they're basically, they're sold just to our customers. Um, Everyone's always looking for something. (laughs) So we just, yeah, we, there's not many people that just ring up and, oh, I need a forklift. It's basically kind of just to our customers at the moment so mm. and so yeah. these refurbs are you buying them and bringing them in yes. working on them and then selling them yep where, yep. where are you getting those forklifts from <sighs> anywhere and everywhere <laughs> <laughs> they're very hard to get get these days um so i ring around different forklift companies i mean sometimes we do work for other companies um like crown stuff that we specialize in um pickles auctions anywhere we can yeah absolutely we can we try to get them so and, and does this um like when you won that big uh 40 40 truck deal yeah that obviously probably would have annoyed the uh the person that sold that service contract initially to them like does that sort of have you seen friction amongst the workplace or <coughs> is it that there's so much work out there that people don't, haven't really batted an eye um there's friction absolutely uh because it's the company i used to work for um so they I put it there's kind of roadblocks sometimes now if that makes sense with getting parts or getting okay yeah um, it's mainly around parts um, with discounts and things like that mm-hmm. uh, yeah there's been a there's been a couple of times where um, I've approached customers um, no one that I've ever known before um, just basically walking in off the street I can do it cheaper at a better deal they go back to Crown, oh, yeah, Crown, and basically say, "This, hey, I've got this guy. Can you match his price?" Kind of thing. So mm. there's been a little bit of that kind of stuff. Yeah, but that's just the that's the business, isn't it? Yeah. And when that's, you are smaller, you do have that flexibility. Absolutely. If it was like Toyota coming in saying that's a different story, because now yeah. that is the race to the bottom. Yeah. It's uh, you've got that smaller scale. Yeah. 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 I guess maybe you can order the parts directly to the customer. Maybe like there could be ways around it. It's hard when the manufacturer is the only place you can get the parts. Mm. Um, but do your research. You can always find somewhere else. Yeah. Normally, yep. But yeah, it takes, th- that takes time, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it would be handy if there was like a... It, this might exist in Australia. I'm not sure. I know there's definitely one in the US. Like a, like a parts like manufacturer or a parts portal that you can go online and buy parts for any type of machine. Is that... That exists. Is yeah, that a- yeah. There's there's aftermarket forklift company companies out like parts. Yeah, out there. Yeah, absolutely. So. And then is it easier to get it through them then? Or <sighs> sometimes quality can be a problem, um, and lead time, basically. So a lot of the time, Crown or manufacturers will have stuff on the shelf. Mm. Um, other places don't. So it just depends. Yeah, it's very. It's not just one thing fixes all. It's you either go there or there or there, whatever's quick, are you in a rush kind of thing, so, mm. yeah. And then so, you've got these contracts working out there, you're doing the, the service-related work, you're bringing in refurbed uh, uh, forklifts yep. uh, and, and then selling them to your customers as well, so you're sort of growing that, that, that base. 
And then um, to get rental assets in, it's a different story together because now you need to sit on your balance sheet. Yeah. You to sit there. You need to have that cost sitting on you. So is that something that you've explored? We've rented machines before, yeah. Yeah, and we still do. Um, but to have an asset like that, which isn't out on hire, just sitting in the workshop waiting for a hire, um, it's a lot of cash tied up um, because it will be, normally it's a refurbished unit. If someone needs a machine, we send them out and yeah. It's short on, term it's on, Yeah, it's more short term stuff, you know. So it can be difficult due to cash flow. Um, I mean, if you had more money, you could do a lot more, right? So, but we're just trying to, trying to make, trying to get there, I suppose. Yeah. So, it's definitely an industry we want to we want to get into, um, preferably more long term hire. I was gonna say it's probably an opportunity. Like, yeah. imagine going to that customer in Wollongong and saying, "You got your sixty trucks, whatever it is," and yeah. then you say, "All right, I'm gonna." give you long-term leases for all of them. Yeah, like, and then, yeah. then you can maybe buy back those yeah. other ones and do refurbs and then sell them to other people. Like. Absolutely. That would be the ultimate goal. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, put brand new machines in there, take the old ones away, five-year deal, and yeah, work it from there. How does it work when you take the... Do you have to buy those machines back from them? or? Do yeah, you, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or, do you deal, or do you like yeah. put in the pricing for the long-term lease? Like how do you... It'd have to be bought back, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, that would be the ultimate goal, but that like that's a lot of money too. <laughs> I was gonna say because like yeah, for you to outlay to buy sixty machines, yeah, now you're probably gonna have to get financing, yeah, um, and all that sort of stuff. Because then the the monthly payments from the the long term lease isn't gonna cover the 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 acquisition of the forklift. So yeah, absolutely. Have you dealt with much finance? No, so far only to buy service car like vehicles, uh, vans, and things like that. Yeah. but not with equipment. That's something we're actually looking into at the moment. Okay. Yeah, so what we would like to do is, yeah, buy second-hand machines, refurbish, and then put them out on rent to start with. Um, I think that's going to be more of a short-term goal, mm. and then the long-term goal will be buying brand-new machines and putting them on long, long yeah. deals. Have you, do you have, what have you been dealing with in terms of finance? The banks directly or, or people that specialize? I've got a broker, yeah. Okay, yep. Yeah, we use a broker. Um, local to us so yeah. yeah yeah well i'm not we're not really up on that stuff yet <laughs> we're learning as we go so yeah 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 i'm sure there's lots to learn and so those early days so you said you're 12 months in yep pretty much in. to the date yeah so what, what was some other challenges you went through when you first started the businesses that you can recall uh space and <laughs> not having a space you know so like i said we were working out of ryan's place um out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> in his little small shed um, but trying to bring machines back for repair was yeah a bit of a bit of an issue so um, we eventually saved enough money to get a workshop or to be able to afford the rent of a workshop um, cash flow is the biggest thing for me as you know because if you don't have a space you, you you're basically you're giving up jobs yeah if that makes sense you know so you're not generating more cash flow to pay for the rent and things like that. Um, yeah, that's basically it. And then so and, and time, I, I suppose as well. Before we started the business, when we we're both employed, um, probably about three nights a week we'd work from seven p.m. to about midnight. Have to get up at five to go to our day jobs. Yeah. So we've done that a lot as well. 
Yeah. And and then so were you paying yourself a salary from the beginning or were you yes. waiting? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I had to, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got mortgage and kids. I think I had a newborn then. I think he was about five months old. Oh, wow. Plus a two-year-old at the same time. <laughs> or an 18-month, two-year-old. Yeah, what was your so, family saying about the whole situation? Uh, well, my wife just said, you got to do it. You just have to, you just got to do it. Um, and once... Once I saw on that first customer, I thought, you know, once I had that after Well, the next day. Yeah. I was, <laughs> the confidence is high. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of lows too. Like, it's not all just, oh, yeah, you you know, you got heaps of customers, this and that. There's still a lot of lot of things on your head or on your shoulders that you've got to think about. What are some of the lows then? Um, repeat calls. So basically going back out. If you know you're thinking that if you haven't fixed something properly or something else has happened, um, they can kind of weigh on you sometimes. Um, which we haven't touch wood, we haven't had many or if any. Um, not having enough cash flow, people, yeah, like chasing people for debt that's another thing. Mm. Um, <clears throat> you know, as as small business just starting again, cash flow, but if people don't pay you. Yeah, it's very it's it's very difficult. Um, and do you do you do you talk to customers at that upfront and say, look, we are a small business and cash flow is really important to us. So if you don't pay us for sixty days, like that, that, that can cripple us. Like, um, if they ask, yeah, if they ask what the terms are, absolutely, yeah, it's on invoices anyway. Um, but I think when you have that conversation, say. I've just started a forklift company. I think that it's kind of, you know, it's obvious. things yeah, go unsaid. You should kind of pick up on that, right? So, yeah, that's another thing. Um, I suppose in the first 12 months, work-life balance, that was very difficult. Um, you kind of don't know when you... We're paying ourselves a wage, but if you don't work, you don't get paid as well. So that was another struggle for myself. Um, you could work 24-7 if you wanted to. There's there's enough work mm. um, but it just cripples your yeah. your life you know yeah because you yeah you can keep burn, you get to the point where you just burn out basically. absolutely and yeah. then if you don't work then the business stops yeah absolutely and then, and then you've got all these commitments that you've made to all these yeah. customers as well yeah. so is that something that you've been mindful of like you, oh, you, you you realize that you get to like 15 hours in the day and you're like all right i can feel i'm feeling like getting headaches migraines yeah. like Stress, lots of stuff like. Yeah. Is that something that you were mindful of at the beginning? No, no, okay. not at all. So, at the beginning, it was you know when you're trying to build work, build customers, um, and that time through COVID where we had a bit of a lockdown, that was. It was hard financially, but easy on the body and mind. But once you start get back up and going, we got a workshop. We you know we got a lot more liabilities at the moment. You. It, then it starts to play out. Yeah, the long days, um, you're working harder, faster, trying to get to the next job. More customers. More customers, people ringing 24-7. Um, yeah, it, it it takes a toll on you for sure. So, so was there a moment that you sort of hit a bit of a wall, do you think? Uh, it was about when, when I hurt my hand. Um, I had to stop for about three months what happened with your hands uh so i cut the tendon in one of my fingers okay uh so i had to have surgery and um 
yeah, I basically was in a like a half cast, so I couldn't use my hand, couldn't drive, nothing like that. Um, it was not up until, yeah, I knew I had to go in for surgery, so I was working a lot. Um, but it wasn't until this happened, I realised how important work-life balance is. And, you know, if I kept doing what I was doing, I wouldn't probably, yeah, wouldn't have a family <laughs> or something like that. So, um, yeah, it was probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but one of the best things as well. Okay. Yeah. And so was that uh, on work injury? Or yes. What, yeah. what happened? Yeah. Uh, I was basically just taking a light bulb out of a out of a forklift and it and it cr- um, smashed and lodged into my tendon. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So... Did you know it was bad when you first did it? or was Not it... really. I just kind of wrapped it up and kept working. Uh, and then about a week later, it was swollen. Okay. And I went to the doctor and they said, you still got glass in there. Uh, oh, and so well, you're doing jobs throughout the week with glass yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah, another one of them stresses when you're, you know, self-employed. You can't stop. And so then what happened? So when you when you found out you needed surgery and you, and you couldn't work with your right hand or left hand for a period of time what, what happened um nothing i just worked a bit a bit more to get on top uh, before surgery they wanted me to go into surgery the following day and i said no i've got to you know i can't just stop i need i've got work to do so the week later i went for surgery and they told me two to six weeks recovery and i went to physio two days later and she said it's three months because it was over 50 percent lacerated the tendon so and then I just kind of went downhill from there. Wow. So, so, <laughs> so then what did you do then? How did you maintain the jobs? Uh, my business partner. Yeah, wow. he's been doing everything. So, yeah, it's wow. I haven't been able to do anything. Um, my old man's come in to help me, my brother, to just a volunteer. <laughs> um, it's been, yeah, pretty difficult, so... Wow, and so you're you're at the point now where it's starting to get recovered? Yeah, you? pretty much, yeah. So I'm pretty much ready to go back to work next week, they reckon. Wow, so this is a big full. milestone. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Ah, are you excited? Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so... And so what, have you been more just going out and seeing customers and talking to them? And doing I haven't, what? no, I haven't really been doing, I haven't been doing nothing. Oh, wow. Yeah. That must yeah. have been a massive change here, going like, going like a million miles an hour and then stopping. Yeah, it was pretty pretty hard taking you know it's like taking microphones off you to do your job right how do you do it you can't so how how do you kind of survive yeah it's pretty hard yeah Yeah. wow so so how's your how's your business partner been uh flat out (laughs) yeah he's probably getting over it a bit now but um yeah he's it's but it's been hard for me because I feel like I'm letting someone down, um, but more more hard for him. He's yeah. got had to work a bit more, and you know he's doing basically all the jobs at the moment. He's so. got a family as well that he's. Yeah, that's yeah. tough, isn't it? Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's pretty excited <laughs> for next week. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. Uh, and so and so, you mentioned <clears throat> that uh, when you took time off, it was a bit of a blessing because you realised yeah. that it, the work life balance wasn't correct. So, so yeah. talk me through that realisation. Um. Yeah, I went through a bit of a low point. So yeah, just talking through it was the biggest thing with uh, with my wife. So yeah, you don't realise until you actually stop and take the time, and you know, don't focus on the destination. I suppose 
you focus on the journey day to day you know yeah, kids the growing little, the little up wins. yeah absolutely yeah yeah take time to stop and have a look and yeah yeah and, and so what so you were going through a period where you were struggling mentally as well yeah absolutely yeah and then you were sort of just bottling everything up yeah not really saying anything and then it was when your finger happened and that was when you sort of had a chance to open up or was it before pretty that? much yeah yeah pretty much yeah because i couldn't do anything so I couldn't even mow the lawn, butter, toast, things like that. So there's a lot of frustration. Um, yeah. And then and then it was just a matter of you just like, what was the, how did you open up? Like, was it just over time or did she ask more questions or like, how did it happen? Um, yeah, it just happened. I don't know. Yeah. My wife's pretty good with stuff like that. So, um, yeah, she said. You've got to open up. You've got to talk to me. You've got to, you know. It, it was just a, yeah, it was just a tough time. Yeah. And is that something that you reckon most people that start businesses struggle with? With? Well, just just like grinding and sort of forgetting like the... I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Even people that have been doing it for 20, 30 years, you can, you can just... I feel like you can see in them, you mm. know, what I kind of could see myself it's almost like an addiction yeah absolutely an addiction to that work and and, and you mentioned before that like if you're not <clears throat> fast paced like you feel like you're like you're not like you're not in the right environment and yeah. so people get addicted to the, the grind yeah and yeah. and as you mentioned it's very easy to like forget about all the the stuff that is in your life uh, yeah. that you go along with like the, having a, a five-month-old baby like you sort yeah. of you might miss their first couple of years of growing up absolutely stuff yeah. like that is like it's so like you can't get you, that stuff back never never ever yeah. <laughs> unless you have another one but you, it'll, you can always get just, more customers but you absolutely can't. yeah yeah so that was a massive realization um yeah so like i said probably the best thing that's kind of ever happened to me in a way um even though it's been hard but yeah wow you gotta just take time stop and yeah have a look around yeah so then, I guess um, from from your side, like, was there anyone that played like a big part as a mentor throughout your career? Do you think that sort of helped you? Um, it's not like a business partner's been someone that's been very close to you, but oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. He's, um, I did have one manager back at Crown, um, who kind of, I suppose, seen me through my young adult days. Um, you know, kind of showed interest in me. Um, you know gave me the time and always pushed me to you know climb the ladder at crown or not climb the ladder but you know move up and explore mm. new opportunities and um yeah he was a bit of a mentor back when i was yeah in my young adult days so even though i'm still young but mm. yeah it's when you you come out of your time as an apprentice and then you're out in the field by yourself, you, you know, you're teenager still and everyone's been a teenager. So yeah, I suppose, well, 15, young. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I finished my time and yeah, I was, I think I was out in the field in my third year. Um, and basically that's when you know, I kind of met him. And yeah, there's a lot of ups and downs again, but yeah, we got through it. But yeah, he, he definitely helped me, helped yeah. me through it. Yeah, for sure. And so, the, the part around starting a business uh, as someone that came in as a mechanic uh, and then learning needed to learn how to sell basically uh, even though you said you're not a salesperson yeah like what advice would you give to other mechanics out there um, 
just be genuine um, and basically don't overcommit in a way I suppose don't offer something that you can't deliver if that makes sense like mm. just be honest if you can't do it you can't do it yeah. that's that's my biggest I suppose just being upfront and honest is yeah definitely the the biggest thing for me yeah, yeah. and then I think also like I think it's important for the mechanics or anyone really but let's just use mechanics as the example like you don't have to be a mechanic for the rest of your life no absolutely not um, people like they think that maybe that's their career and that's what they're doing yeah so like what advice would you give someone that's thinking like trying to get outside of that mindset <clears throat> I guess um, you got to find something that you enjoy um, even though I say I don't like working on forklifts I actually really love it <laughs> but um, just do it you, you just have to do it if, if you if you're not happy and you want to change um, just give it a go you just never know if you're going to love it or not mm. and then it sounds like surround yourself with the right mentors like having that person around you when you're younger sort of uh, gave you that guide yeah absolutely to push yourself yeah yeah absolutely that's that's another thing if, if, if you've got the right people around you you yeah you'll, you'll succeed mm. yeah for sure and then starting a business with a business partner like having a, an open and honest relationship with them as well is very very important because yeah. Absolutely. You can't have any sort of hidden things no, there right. and all sort of stuff. So yeah. was that something that you, you've always had from day one? Yeah. Um, and that was a conversation from before, even before we thought about going into business together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was, go be honest with each other. Mate, if you've got a problem, you got to come, you got to come speak to me. Or likewise, i come speak to you. Yeah. And nothing's off limits, basically. It's like you're married twice. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, that's the thing. Like sometimes, like just putting it out there, like that's just the first step, and then yeah, and then because you can't start solving a problem until it's like it's it's aired. Absolutely. Otherwise, if you don't air it, things just get worse and worse yeah. and worse, and then you start resenting the person. Absolutely. For things they don't even know about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. Yeah, that's why communication, whatever it is in your life, doesn't matter. Communication's probably number one. Yeah. Yeah. And then so. Um, in terms of uh, advice for your younger self, like if you could go back 12 months, two years, what would you sort of say to yourself? Um, if it was only, you know, two years ago, it's hard to say. <laughs> um, but I'd always say to myself, start a business earlier. Um, what are you waiting for kind of thing? Because time just goes by and you know you're not getting any younger so yeah start start earlier mm. yeah for sure yeah and I think yeah start earlier but then it sounds like have the right level of experience where yeah. you sort of know enough to sort of get by but yeah. you don't have to wait until you're 35 or 40 to no. start a business like you can no. do that in your mid 20s late 20s yeah, depending on what so. experience you have yeah absolutely I mean you're like I said you're always learning um, but if you can if you've got the basics, you'll be fine because you'll learn real quick. Because if you don't learn real quick, you're not going to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And then so it sounds like success for you has changed a lot over the years. But like, how do you define success today? Uh, freedom. Success for me is was the day I went and worked for myself. Um, just having the freedom to you know service who I want to service 
kind of do what I want kind of thing, make the choices, make the decisions, just, yeah, freedom for sure. Mm. Yeah. And then, and then has that changed over the years, do you think? I think so, because I think when I was younger, it was more about, more about money, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, but it's not about money. It's, it's what's, it's what's in here. Yeah. So I think that has changed. Yeah. And then the more time you have, the more time you can think strategically about what you're working on as well. Like you're not just in that daily grind. Absolutely. um, Where you're clocking on, clocking off and then, and that's it. Yeah. Where you can actually think about like what you want to work on. Because that's, that's an important factor of owning a business here. Like you're not just doing jobs and then clocking off. Like it's, planning ahead and managing cash flow yeah figuring out how to like you said you want to employ people at the moment but then yeah how do we find the right people yeah that sort yeah. of thing so there's a lot that goes into yeah into utilizing that extra time that you have yeah yeah absolutely it's not yeah it's not just about doing the job at hand it's about you got to think about everything so but even having more time with my family that was another big reason um you know to to work for myself um, to have that downtime, which it, I know, it hasn't happened that much, as much as what I would like, but that's really important to, yeah. And then you can start, you can think clear, a lot clearer. And then now that you're going back next week, full steam again, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm assuming your, your, your mindset is a lot clearer on what you want, like what you expect from yourself in a week. Yeah, absolutely. As well. And and then probably in six months' time, if you're sort of heading in that same direction again, you've already had that conversation, so yeah. your family can sort of bring up and be like, hey, didn't we already talk about like yeah. this balance? Like that's, that's a massive thing, yeah? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, family's everything pretty much, so if you don't have that, like for me, I don't have much, you know, so there's no point of having all this, you know, business and this and that if I don't have a family, so... Uh. Yep. <laughs> Very well said. Well, look, I wish you all the luck for next week, and yep. it sounds like it's an exciting period for you. But Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. Thank you very much for having me.